Andy, have you seen the clicker for the um, for PowerPoint to to put this move the slides on? Do you know where? Oh, there it is. Oh, excuse me. I don't know about you, but I hate losing things. And I'm always doing it. My kids, my phone, my keys. You know that feeling of panic the day before you're due to go on holiday and you can't find your passport. Or have you ever been lost? Uh, maybe it was on a DV expedition or on holiday in a new place, somewhere in a new country, lost with absolutely no idea where you are. That feeling of rising panic. Or have you ever felt lost? Disconnected, dislocated, directionless, drifting and rudderless, rootless, homeless. Yet there have been times over these last three months where I felt quite lost, and I guess you have too. Many of my usual routines have been removed, places I'd regularly go, people I'd usually see gone. It's as though someone has taken the map I used to navigate my way through life and has torn it up. There are times when I felt lost and I guess you have too. Today's Bible reading from Luke 15 is three stories about being lost and found. In Jesus' day, Israel was under Roman occupation and there was a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees. And now these Pharisees believed the Roman occupation was God's judgment on the Jews. They believed that God was judging them because a handful of Jews were failing to keep God's law. Now the Pharisees had a name for these people. They called them the sinners and it was their sin that was responsible for the Roman occupation. As we arrive at today's passage, Luke tells us that Jesus has been eating and breaking bread with these so-called sinners. In Jesus' day, even more so than today, to share a meal with someone, to share table finished fellowship, was a sign that you conveyed honour, dignity and friendship upon them. When Jesus refers to these peoples as sinners, it appears in the Bible in quotation marks because this is the Pharisees' word, not Jesus's. The Pharisees called these people sinners, but Jesus calls them friends. So no wonder that the Pharisees were muttering. But let's not be too hard on these Pharisees. In amongst these sinners were people of questionable moral reputation, these are people we might discourage our kids from hanging around with in case they are a bad influence on them. We might give them a wide berth or choose to hold our handbag or wallet a little tighter when they're nearby on the train. From today's reading, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus calls them friends.
So, with the Pharisees within earshot, Jesus tells three stories. Stories of a sheep, a coin, and two sons, all of whom are lost. But who are the lost? See, I was always taught that they were those on the outside of faith, but Jesus is speaking to Jews, not Gentiles. His audience were all members of the Jewish community of faith, and these are not new converts. <clears throat> In these stories, the shepherd owns the sheep, the woman owns the coin, and both the sons belong to the father. This is not a new coin that is found. This is not a new sheep who's returned to the fold or a new son who's adopted into the family. As Josh said earlier, they all belong. They have always belonged and they never stopped belonging. Yet somehow they have managed to become lost. And all four, the coin, the sheep and both sons are precious to their owners. So precious that their owners embark on a thorough search to find them. The woman lights a lamp, hoping to spot a glint of her coin. She sweeps the floor with a broom, listening for the sound of metal on stone. And the father sits each evening on the porch, scanning the horizon, looking, watching, waiting and hoping for his son's return. And the shepherd leaves the 99 to go in search of the one that is missing. Now, any business consultant or MBA worth their fee will tell you that that's simply a mistake. It's bad business. Just take the 1% hit. Take the 1% loss. Don't risk 99% just for the one. It's simply not worth it. But in the story Jesus tells, the one who is lost is so precious to the shepherd that he leaves the 99 and heads out to the wilderness, searching for the one. Uh, why is the sheep lost? We don't know, Jesus doesn't tell us. Maybe it just wandered off as stupid sheep are prone to do, or maybe it's injured, maybe it's had a fall. Maybe it was threatened and is now in danger and unsafe. I'm very fortunate to share the preaching at Bessels with Andy. And last week he did a superb job looking at Jesus' call to repent because the kingdom of his heaven is near and, um, and relating that to the Black Lives Matter movement. If you haven't yet listened to Andy's sermon from last week, can I urge you to do so because it's such an important message for all of us at this time. But this week, a few folk have come back to Andy and I with the challenge that we should not be focusing on black lives matter because all lives matter. Now, undoubtedly, this is true. All lives are precious and matter to God, but sometimes you have to leave the 99 who are safe to go after the one that is in trouble or danger. And if you listen to our black brothers and sisters, they will tell you that the reply, all lives matter, feels like a slap in the face. Because right now it is not all lives that are in danger. It feels like a way to belittle the prejudice being felt by black people and people of colour. I came across this photo this week. 
We said black lives matter. We never said only black lives matter. We know all lives matter. We just need your help with Black Lives Matter, for black lives are in danger. It reminded me of this image, and I know I've shown it before. Uh, We all want fairness, and arguably this is fair. But sometimes justice demands that we use our privilege to right a wrong to prioritise the downtrodden, to focus more on those with a greater need. As Benjamin Franklin once said, justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Sometimes you have to leave the 99 and go after the one until it's found. We all know that feeling of relief when you find your passport. Last time I'd left it in the outside pocket of my travel bag, I never store it there. Or the relief when you find your bank card or your phone or your keys and realise that you didn't leave them in Lidl after all. Or perhaps for some of you it's Waitrose, we are in Sevenoaks after all. Or have you ever been found I mean, literally found geographically. You had no idea where you were. Uh, You're lost, and then someone sent out a search party to look for you. You hear a voice in the distance calling your name, and you know at last that you are safe, that you have been found. Or perhaps you've been found in an emotional sense, seen by somebody, really seen, understood, Loved, welcomed, included and found. The sheep and the coin, well, they do nothing to get found. The coin doesn't grow legs and return to its owner. The emphasis is entirely on the woman and the shepherd who do the finding. Their part is just to show up and get found. And as for the son, he just plans to return home as a servant, a hired hand. He's not expecting to be welcomed back as a full member of the family, to be fully found. Jesus says there is more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. I like the way Eugene Peterson has uh, translated that passage because it is God who seeks, finds, and rescues. It is God who restores their life and status. Last week, Andy spoke about the word repent and repentance and what it means, and I agree with everything that he said. I would like to suggest to you that repent is all about a change of heart, a turning round and returning home. But even when he was lost, the son was always the father's. His repentance is tiny. It's a, it's a change of heart. It's just the, resi- the decision to return home, just as a hired hand. But it is the father who restores the relationship. It's the father who digs out the robe and the ring, the symbols of family. And it is the father's uncontainable joy at his son's return. Hired hands, let's not speak another word of such rubbish. You are my son, you are my daughter, you always have been. 
welcome home. If you want to observe joy at people being reunited, try hanging around at an airport. Before lockdown, I was regularly collecting a friend from the airport and would sit in the arrivals lounge and watch people as they arrived home, watch them as they embraced, as they hugged, as they cried, as they were reunited. I remember one particular flight a few years ago in my, in my 20s. I was returning from the States and a young mum was travelling on the same flight as me with two small children, one of whom had been sick all down his front. The child stank and the mum was hassled. I followed them through baggage reclaim and on to the arrivals hall where her husband was waiting to greet them. Well, the child ran to greet his father and without a second thought for the stench of vomit, the child's father embraced, it, embraced him and lifted him up off the ground. We are all works in progress. And God, our Heavenly Father, never stops searching. He doesn't wait for us to be cleaned up and perfectly presented before greeting us with an, umbra with an embrace. Sheep smell and yet the shepherd hoisted him onto his shoulders and carried it home. I'm sure the son was in a sorry state, ragged, hungry and broken, covered in pig filth, yet the father runs to embrace him and welcome him home. We might imagine it like this. Think of a husband and a wife, and he's always nagging her to change. Why can't you be more like so-and-so? And over time, the nagging builds up into resentment until she is hurt and belittled and no longer wants to change. Now imagine the same couple, and this time imagine that the husband loves his wife unconditionally, just the way she is. She's going to want to change. She's going to want to change in order to please her husband, and so it is with God. He meets us as he finds us, stench of vomit and all. Of course, there is another in this story who is lost. The elder brother, the religious rule keeper. And I'm sure this was not lost on the Pharisees as they listened to Jesus tell these parables. All that the elder brother can see is the unfairness of it all. He's kept the rules. He never asked for so much as a goat in return. And yet here is his father killing the fatted calf. And the father's response? Son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. The elder brother has always been with the father. He never left and has always had access to the father's goodness and gifts. Yet it is his religiosity, his self-righteousness that has become his prison. And he is at the party, he always has been at the party, yet now he is on the outside, on the edge, grumpy and muttering about the unfairness of it all. 
Grace and forgiveness can often look unfair, undeserved, unmerited, and we often find that difficult. Why them and not me? You see, we imagine that the Father's love is limited and that there is only so much to go around. So if they have some, they must have some of my share. Yet this Father, this portrait of God on the lips of Jesus is generous, gratuitous, gracious, unconditional love. Love that throws a party and invites the neighbours that celebrates all that has been found and now is returned. God is a shepherd who calls his friends and neighbours together and says, rejoice with me. God is a woman who's lost a precious coin and when she finds it, she calls her neighbours and friends together and says, rejoice with me. And God is a loving father who says, can't you see we had to celebrate? because that brother of yours, well, he was lost, and now he's found. So where are you today? Let's just take a moment. Where do you locate yourself in this story? Perhaps you've always felt a strong sense of belonging and yet now for some reason you find yourself on the outside feeling lost. Or perhaps you're one of the people on the outside who's never felt as if you belonged. Well, you have always been welcome, you just never knew it. The sheep, the coin and both the songs, they always belonged. And yes, we all feel lost from time to time. So the invitation this morning is to return home, to awaken to that which has always been true, that you are a beloved child of God, a God who is waiting to embrace you whatever state you are in, and regardless of the judgments of others, especially the religious folks. You see, the Pharisees may have called them sinners, but Jesus called them friends. We're going to pause in a minute and reflect on all that we've heard. There's a song we sometimes sing and it speaks of God leaving the 99 to go after the one. It's called Reckless Love. We're going to listen to that song now. And as we do so, why not invite to God, God to meet you where you are? Invite him to welcome you home, wherever and whoever you are. So let's listen together. singing over me 
Você 